All right, so we have some, a few young people in here today. Um, ah, then again, we all, we all watched the Marvel um, movies, right? Um, who's your favorite superhero? Sh- shout it out. If you're online, we, you can't help us, but favorite superhero? What? Captain America. Captain America. Oh, yeah, Captain America is a good one. Why? Why is he your favorite superhero? You, you like the what? Uniform. Oh, you like the actor. Like the actor. Anybody else? What's your favorite superhero? Who's your favorite superhero? Thor. Why? He's fun. Funny. Wouldn't you love to have a big hammer like that uh, to straighten people out, annoy you? Anybody else? Uh, when I was a kid, um, I used to buy comic books. Kids today don't have a clue what it is. They're graphic novels, right? And um, it was interesting. I'd take piano lessons. When I was 10 years old, I was taking piano lessons in downtown Lancaster. And um, I would, wa- I would, nobody would allow their kids to do this today. I would walk all around Lancaster by myself when I was 10 years old. I mean, four, five, six blocks at a time. My mom would drop me off to the public library. I'd, I'd get a bunch of books. I'd walk four blocks to my piano lessons, and then afterwards I'd walk another block to a used bookstore where I'd get six, seven, eight comic books, read them that week, take them back the next week, and get another eight or so, pay 10 cents extra. And uh, we didn't have all of these. We didn't have Thor. We didn't have Captain America. We had Superman, Batman, Green Hornet, and Flash. That was pretty much it at that time. And uh, I... I've shared before, I was, I was a, the littlest kid in my class until I was in probably in 10th grade. I shot up six inches, I think. Otherwise, I'd still be a midget. Um, but I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot when I was a little kid. I used to fantasize about being Flash, about being um, Batman or the Green Hornet. Wouldn't it be great to be able to deal with annoying people in your life, have superpowers that would enable you to um, destroy the opposition, that would be, enable you to uh, fall but never die. Um, one of my favorite uh, superhero uh, movies is Thor Ragnarok. And if you've seen that, you know that Dr. Banner jumps out of his space plane, drops about a quarter of a mile, half a mile onto a bridge and lives. And if you know that scene, the, the wolf is coming over across this bridge to destroy the people of Asgard. This massive wolf, like a hundred times bigger than all the people. And he comes across Dr. Banner laying there, who has not yet turned into the Hulk. And he sniffs at him, and he jumps over him, and he goes, and he's going to attack the people. And there's only thing that stands between them and the destruction is the guardian of the bridge or the gate with his sword. And as the wolf arrives there, all of a sudden he comes to a screeching halt. Eyes get big, and he starts being dragged backwards, his claws digging into the bridge. And then you see Dr. Banner in the back has turned into the hawk. He's grabbed the wolf by the tail, and he starts smashing him around. And they go over the side of the bridge, and they fall another quarter of a mile into the water, and they both live. And then they go over the waterfall, and the wolf goes to the bottom and and dies and the Hulk grabs onto a stone and he survives. But it doesn't matter how far these superheroes fall, they always 
live, to oh, to be indestructible, oh, to be powerful, oh, not to have to worry about anything because you can defeat anything that comes your way. Well, we're talking about Jesus' indestructible body this morning, the new one that he has, and we're in Luke 24, and we want to talk about our new bodies that you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are going to get someday because it's amazing. Now, some theologians have, have argued that Jesus' body is not, he was divine, after all, is divine, and maybe there are some differences between his resurrected body and what we will have one day. I'm, I don't think so. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul goes to great lengths to link our resurrection body, our, us, with Jesus, and our resurrection body with him. And I think the things that we see in this text about what his new body was like are things that we can think about. Man, this, this is going to be me one day. And then we want to talk about what it means or how do I place my order for a new body. What's the new body going to be like and how I place my order. Let me pray for us and then we'll just read down through our text this morning. Father, I thank you for the promise of a new body and more importantly, for the gift of the new life that we are offered in Jesus Christ. We've talked about superpowers this morning, and yet at the end of the day, we, we can never become you. And, and fundamentally, that, that, that's a problem because you are holy and we are not, and yet you call us to be holy, even as you are holy. And were it left to us, we would be consumed by your wrath. We are rebels by nature. We, we, we are rebels by action. And left to our own devices, we would be simply objects of your wrath, as Paul says. And yet in Christ, yet in Christ, Everything has changed. In Christ, we have become someone we never could become on our own. In Christ, we have become loved by you in a way that we never could on our own. In Christ, we have been given inheritance, us, paupers, poor, miserable, broken wretches have been made sons of the living God, daughters of the living God, given an inheritance beyond what we could possibly imagine. And this morning I pray that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be encouraged about the future. There are some of us sitting here this morning whose bodies are betraying us. They're giving out on us. Maybe we live with pain all the time. Um, maybe we have all kinds of limits in this body that frustrate us and exasperate us. As we look to our Savior, may we be encouraged that this is just for a season, that this is going to end. And what lies before us is 
far more glorious than the taste that we're going to have this morning. And so we say thank you and worship our great Savior. Amen. Luke 24, uh, beginning of verse 36. What we're going to do is just uh, read down through uh, verses this morning. We're going to verse 43, and I'm going to stop uh, along the way to just talk about the different features of Jesus' new body. And again, just keep in the back of your mind, oh, this is me. Uh, this is going to be me. If I know Christ, it's going to be me one day. Uh, what will the new body be like? And then we want to talk about how does any, someone place an order for this new body. Beginning verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and that how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kyle uh, took you through that passage earlier in this chapter about how Jesus resurrected Jesus had come across a couple of disciples who were walking on this road and he chatted with them and they were downhearted uh, so discouraged that the Messiah had been killed and Jesus talked with them and if you read the text it sounds like he might have had a conversation with them for up to five miles and these were followers of his and they didn't, rec they didn't re recognize him and that's one of the first things that's kind of interesting about Jesus' new body is he wasn't always recognized. Now, the text says in that instance that God kept them from recognizing him. But there are a couple other places where this was, this was repeated. Mary Magdalene was in the garden. She had come to bring uh, spices to anoint Jesus' body with it. And then if you remember, she, she saw Jesus and thought he was the gardener. Had a conversation with him and... and he says, Mary, and when he, she, he says it that way, she realizes who he is. John 21, Jesus is on the shore. The disciples are out in the boat um, trying to fish. They're not catching anything. And Jesus calls to them from the shore and said, brothers, have you caught any fish? No, not catching a thing. Well, try putting your nets on the other side of the boat. And they still don't recognize it's Jesus. And maybe there was fog over the sea and they couldn't see him properly. Maybe he was that far away. But they couldn't recognize his voice either. It wasn't until they got a boatload of fish that they go, oh, that's Jesus. So it seems like there's some kind of, uh, some kind of continuity with the old body and yet there's some newness. And it might be because... Um, we're going to look a different age than we did when we died. It might be because there's simply something different about the features. Seems like there's a similarity to the old appearance, but not, uh, it's not identical. Can be, what will the new body like, be like? Well, it can be recognized, even though it's not necessarily identical. Now, keep going. The next verse, we're in 36. And just as these men were telling the other disciples about their encounter with Jesus. Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Now, it doesn't say so explicitly here, but the word suddenly suggests that Jesus was not there, and then he was. That he didn't come up the path and knock on the door or ring the doorbell. They opened the door and he came in. No, no, they didn't. He wasn't there and then he was. And if you would go to John chapter uh, 20, verse 19, 
It actually describes them being in this room. The disciples were together in this room, and it says the doors were locked because they were afraid of the Jews. And then suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Again, with the word suddenly. It seems to be saying, I mean, why else put the point in there that the doors were locked unless Jesus is actually able to go through doors, closed doors are actually able to go through walls. So second point would be this body seems like it can go through walls. If you're an X-Men fan like Kitty Pryde, go through walls. By the way, I wonder what that's going to be like in heaven. We all have the idea that there's going to be some sort of structures that we have in heaven, right? Jesus in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. So if you have a house on 124 Mercy Street, and, and you're inside and, you know, you're having a cup of coffee and having your quiet time in the morning, I don't know what it's going to be like. But all of a sudden, your neighbor Frank from 122 Mercy Street is appearing at your elbow. I mean, just think about that. If that body can actually go through walls, you say, Frank, what are you, what are you doing here? He's like, I just came over to see you. Well, why didn't you use the door? He's like, we don't have doors. Right? Think about it. If you can go through walls, why would you have a door? Man, that just kind of bot. That sounds kind of freaky, doesn't it? Disconcerting, Brandon. I like you, but don't come through my wall. Amen, bro. So I don't know how all that's going to work out, but this body seems like uh, physical objects will not be will not stop us. All right, let's keep reading. So Jesus says, "Why are you frightened?" Verse thirty-eight. He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. So this body, even though he can apparently go, you can apparently go through walls, can be touched you can, can feel it. You can reach out and, and touch it. It's, it's material. It's not like he's a spirit, you know, nebulae wandering through space. His body can be touched. And secondly, apparently it carries old scars. Did you notice when Jesus said, look at my hands, look at my feet? You wonder why he would do that? I mean, I can probably pick my wife's hands and my wife's feet out from all others, but nobody else's. Do you think they were really that familiar with Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet? Unless he still had nail scars in him. In fact, if you go back to John 20, verse 27, conversation Jesus had with Thomas, he said, he said, touch my hands and put your hand into my side, in my side. In other words, where the spear was plunged into my side. There must have been a remaining scar of some sort there. Whether or not there was an actual opening there or simply an indentation, I don't know. Um, but maybe there was an actual opening. In fact, it's interesting here, just as a side, sidebar, 
where it says in verse 39, I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. The original text doesn't say body. It says flesh and bones. Now, a common phrase that we use to speak about a person is flesh and what? Blood. Isn't that interesting? It's going to be some superstructure there, perhaps bone, flesh, but maybe no blood. So there's no real need to keep, have everything closed in so that the blood doesn't come out. It's just, I don't know if that's the way it's going to be. We have bones and skin and not blood. What about organs? And, oh, it's, it's mesmerizing to me. Did, did, you, did you notice that, we'll go on here in verse 41. It says, that's, you didn't notice because we didn't read it yet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And, and you would think, oh, okay, they're just going to have a fellowship meal together. No. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. They pulled up their lazy boys, and they watched him eat. Why did he do that? He wants to show them that this new body has some similarities to the old body, and I can even eat. Now you're thinking, does that mean you have a trachea? Does that mean you have a waste system? I, I mean, I can't imagine that. But there's something common about the new body that's recognizable from the old body. So it can be touched. It carries old scars, and this new body can eat. Now, the last two things, I want to move out of Luke here and talk about two other elements of the new body. And take you first to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We talked about the, some of these verses last week and Jesus' resurrection body. Going to verse 42, Paul says, In the same way, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. This is my sixth point about this new body. Can never be destroyed. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. You think Hulk, not that big, not that green, not that ugly, but you think Hulk, as in never, that body can never, ever, 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 ever be destroyed. If you've read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, you know, he has, he has some interesting ideas on the kinds of things that we're going to do in heaven. I don't buy them all. But he's talking about things like we can actually still learn more stuff in heaven. He's talking about inventing things in heaven. He's, he's talking about space travel from one planet to another. And what's really neat is whatever we are able to do, we will never make a mistake that we will seriously injure ourselves or that we will die ever. You know, I, I, I injured myself this week on the edge of a cardboard box. How is that possible? Well, the flap happened to be rigid and I bent down, didn't see it there, hit my head on it. My wife said later in that evening, what'd you do to your, what do you do to your chin? I'm like, I don't know. 
looked in the mirror, there was a, a ding from a cardboard box. It's terrible. Only old people would do that. You'll never have to worry about that again. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. You think about the last person that you loved that died and the effect that it had on you. That never happens ever again with a new body. You don't have to fear death, either your own or someone else's. There's not going to be any sorrow. You will never get fired. You will never have a wife or a husband walk out on you. You, you will never have financial ruin. You will never hear from the doctor, I'm sorry, you have cancer and it's terminal. You will never have to take 10 pills a day or any pills for that matter. No crying, no pain. I had a friend hit me in the mouth with a baseball bat when I was seven years old. Didn't quite pass out, but it got close. Stars, blood everywhere, and the hurt, oh my goodness, almost indescribable. And every one of you have experienced something like that that you couldn't imagine would hurt. No more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Forever. This new body cannot be destroyed. One last thing. Turn to the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. This is my last feature of a new body. There's certainly many more, and some of them are in Scripture. This one is that it's glorious. Verse 2, many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. I'm going to read that again. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried, so he's really talking about everyone, will rise up, and some of them to everlasting life, and we could bring the New Testament in, say, in the presence of the Lord and the full inheritance that he has given us, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. There's a reminder there of the eternality both of heaven and of hell. Increasingly, some Christians are insisting that hell is in a, just goes like that. Um, it doesn't last forever. If it doesn't, then neither does heaven as Jesus pointed out in Matthew 25. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And in verse 3, 
those who are wise, and now he's talking to those who have everlasting life, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Could it be that our glorified bodies actually give off a glow? I always thought this was metaphorical. And Jesus says something similar in Luke chapter, or Matthew chapter 13. I always thought this was metaphorical as well. Verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with the ears to hear should listen and understand. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Now, there's, when we get to heaven, there's no, there's no uh, lamps. There's no recessed lighting. Because according to Revelation 22, God, God is so bright, you don't even need the sun, and there's, there's never any nighttime. Could it be that this new body is so amazing, so glorious, that it actually glows? You say, well, that's kind of extreme. Do you remember what happened when Moses came down off the mountaintop after having met with God? His face glowed so brightly that when he came near people, they were doing this number. In fact, he ended up, this, this was a pre-COVID-19 time, and yet he wore a mask. You remember this? He actually put a veil over his face so he wouldn't blind people. This body, no matter what all it's going to look like, is so glorious that perhaps it even glows. Well, these are some of the features of the new body. And... For those of us who know Christ, we know the answer to the next question, but we need to ask it. How do I place my order for a new body? And make no mistake about it, everyone has a new body of some kind. Everyone will get a new body of some kind that will last forever. So how do I place my order for this kind of new body? Let's say you wanted to um, get a new laptop. And you did all the research on the Internet, and for some inexplicable reason, you didn't buy it from Amazon. <laughs> and so uh, you wanted to buy it at a, a brick-and-mortar store. Well, if you went to Walmart, you could do that, no matter who you are. You go in, pick out your laptop, you pay for it, you leave the store with it. But if you wanted to get that laptop at Costco, the only way you could do that is if you are a, a member. So we were talking with my mom on Friday. My mom wants to get new hearing aids, and she has heard how good the hearing aids seem to be at Costco. I agree. Nobody I talk to likes their hearing aids unless they've got them at Costco. There's one problem. My mother is not a member at Costco. 
And so we're talking about taking her to Costco and taking her over to the counter where you get a membership and get a membership and then going over and getting her hearing aids. Now, if you go to get a membership at Costco, the only way you become a member is if you pay for a membership. And then every year, your credit card gets billed yet again, and you have to pay for it. The membership that gets you this new body, you can't buy. No amount of money will get you this membership. Did you catch that line in the song that we sang earlier, Psalm 130? God himself has paid the price. You want to know how you place an order for a new body like we've just described, like Jesus had? Repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus to forgive you because God himself has paid the price. You can't pay for it. No amount of money, no personal effort, no striving, no denying yourself bacon-covered donuts. God himself has paid the price. It's members only. Acts 4.12 says that there is no other name given among men under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. No other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. And what's interesting, it doesn't really specify that name right in that verse, although the whole sermon is about that. Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says and told the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. John says, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I love that line. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I alone. This is the reason that we have a team this weekend that has been getting training on how to talk to people about Jesus, and they've hit the streets Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. They're going out again this afternoon to go up to people and ask, can we pray for you? Will you give us two minutes to talk about someone has changed our lives? And this leads us right into our message next week of Jesus' mission for us. If Jesus is the one who holds the keys to death and the grave, then he is the one that we offer to everyone. We don't offer them church we don't offer them a church service. We don't offer them improved behavior. We offer them a person. I was 11 years old. It was a school morning. I was just waking up. I heard my mother come in the room. She raised the blind to the west. 
And she said, Johnny died last night. And that was my first close-up encounter with death. Johnny was my cousin, two years younger than me. He had been battling a brain tumor for almost two years. And I, all I could think about was, I'll never see him again. I'll, I'll never play barn tag with him in Grandma and Grandpa's barn. Him and me and John and Carl, there were four of us cousins that were within three years of each other. We did everything together when we had extended family get-togethers. Johnny was a little stocky. He had hair that was clipped real short, and I just see him always with this huge grin on his face, just laughing, laughing, laughing. And I knew enough about death that I knew they were going to put him in the ground, and it would be cold and he wouldn't have anybody to talk to and nobody to make food for him and no books to read. In his book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn talks about a party. And he says, you go to a party and it starts out really slow and there's nobody there you know and they haven't served refreshments yet. There's no games. It's kind of boring. But after a while, some people come that you know, and you strike up some conversations, and it becomes more interesting. They bring out the refreshments, and they're better than you thought they would be. They're, they have donuts covered with bacon. And just about the th time things get hopping, the person that brought you says, hey, we got to leave. Say, what do you mean we have to leave? Just got, party's just getting good. I'm sorry, we, we can't stay. Gotta, gotta leave. It's time. So you're driving home and you're irritated at the person that you came with and you're irritated yourself. Why didn't I just come by myself? And he drops you off at your house and you walk up the sidewalk and open your front door, still ticked that you were interrupted. And then you hear a chorus of, surprise! And hear all the people that you left behind had somehow gotten to your house before you. The people that you cared about were there. And people that you loved were there. And, and the refreshments at this party for you are far better than the refreshments at the last party. And they're singing songs and you're joining in and it's glorious. That's how it's going to be on the day when we leave this party. Man, I wish this party wasn't over already. But when we get to the next party, and that future life, that future body, how glorious it's going to be. And it's not going to be glorious because you were smart or because you were successful or because you knew the right people. Hmm, let me back up. It will be because you knew the right person.
And that's what's going to make the new life glorious. Let's pray. We praise you for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, whose nail-pierced hands and feet will one day see whose glorious face we'll one day be able to look into and worship him properly and delight in him fully, arm in arm with our brothers and sisters, sing the praises of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and given to paupers like us. We love you.